I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Today I'm talking to Rachel Clawson about forced marriage. Hi Rachel. Hi Nicola. Can you just introduce yourself please and tell us about how you got in- interested in the topic of forced marriage? Yeah, my name's Rachel Clawson. I'm um, Associate Professor of Social Work here at the University of Nottingham. So I first became interested in forced marriage um, about 12 years ago when I was actually working here for the Ancraft Trust. And I was doing some safeguarding work with different organisations around the country. And social workers and other um, professionals were telling me about people with learning disabilities who were married. And the professionals were really worried about whether these people uh, understood what marriage was about. So I went to the um, Government Forced Marriage Unit, which is a joint Home Office and Foreign and Commonwealth Office unit, to talk to them about what what they knew about this. Mm. Um, and they said they didn't really know all that much about it at the time. And they funded um, me with the Ancraft Trust and another organisation called the Judith Trust to undertake some work looking at the issue. And that was really where it all started. Oh, right. So how does it relate to forced marriage, having a learning disability and getting married? So um, forced marriage of people with learning disabilities often looks very different to forced marriage of um you know, the rest of the population. So for people that don't have learning disabilities, often the uh, motivators for somebody being forced to marry is um, curbing westernised behaviour or long-held promises or, um, you know, uh, money and financial reward. For people with learning disabilities, it can often look very different. And and most often, what our research has shown is most often families are actually looking for a carer for their son or daughter. So as parents are getting older, they're worried about who's going to look after their son or daughter when they're no, no longer able to do it. And they look to marriage as a solution for this. So that's not to suggest that there aren't families out there who you know, marry their children off for some kind of gain. But very often, that's not the case. It's actually, they think they're doing the right thing. So you're not saying that people with learning disabilities can't get married? No, I'm not saying that at all. And actually, what I would say is, we need to really support people with learning disabilities to be married, if that's what they're choosing to do, if they're of a legal age, and if they have the uh, capacity to consent to marriage. Some people might not have the capacity to consent to marriage, so they might not really understand what marriage is about. But with um, support and education, they could get to the point where where they do understand what marriage is about. The law is very clear. The law changed in 2014. Uh, the law made uh, there's a law, the Antisocial Behaviour Crime and Policing Act, which made forcing somebody to marry uh, against the law. It's punishable by um, up to five years in prison, might be seven years in prison, and an unlimited fine. And that law makes very clear that if somebody does not have the capacity to consent to marriage, so if they don't really understand what marriage is about, what mm-hmm. they're entering into, then that marriage is a forced marriage. So that make, that helps us uh, in terms of you know thinking about people with learning disabilities mm-hmm. whose families might get them married. Because even if families have the right intention or even if families think that they're doing the right thing and they think they're finding the right person people with learning disabilities often end up being um, abused it becomes a safeguarding issue so they might be sexually assaulted or physically assaulted or they might be um, you know abused financially 
So even my family think they're doing the right thing, it doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be a positive outcome. And also we, we talk about um, something called a double forced marriage mm-hmm. where the person without the learning disability may not necessarily know that they're being married into a family to act as a carer. And we've come across situations where actually, you know, people are, are married into families and then become a servant within that family and they're expected to do all the household chores and, you know, they're not treated very nicely. So in that situation, you know, you can question whether either person is really giving any informed consent. So I'm guessing this links in with the Mental Capacity Act. Yes, it does, absolutely. So somebody, um, somebody's capacity to consent to marry can be assessed using the Mental Capacity Act as a framework. What the Mental Capacity Act doesn't allow for is for a third party to make a best interest decision that somebody else should get married. So nobody else can decide on somebody else's behalf that they should get married. And for some families, families will find this, um, you know, perhaps a little strange because because they think they're doing the right thing. They think they're able to make decisions for their sons or daughters. They've been making decisions for them all their lives. They think they're making the right decision. They don't know that what they're doing is against the law. So often family, because it's called forced marriage, families might say, well, nobody's forcing my son or daughter and and they might even appear happy about it. Yes, because um, the decision to um, get married, that's the decision, isn't it? People might make decisions in lots of other areas. Absolutely, yeah. So the Mental Capacity Act doesn't say that you have capacity or you don't have capacity. It's decision and time specific. So people might have the capacity to decide what they want to eat that day or decide what they want to wear that day, but might not understand what uh, being married entails. So they might not understand that they have to Uh, live with the person that they're marrying, that they'll um, be expected to have sex with the person that they're marrying. They might become pregnant. There might be financial um, ties. You know, they're things that all of us need to understand if Mm -hmm. we're entering into marriage. So are there any signs that professionals need to look out for for forced marriage? Is there anything we we might see in our day-to-day life working with people with learning disabilities? Yeah, and again, for people with learning disabilities, the things to look out for can be different to the rest of the population because the person with a learning disability might not actually be presenting as being sad or anxious about getting married, you know, or they might, it, mm. it, you know, it, it could be one or the other. So, and very often in these situations, families are telling professionals where, you know, we're going to go and get our son or daughter married. So they're quite open about these things in the beginning. So professionals really need to have a good understanding of uh, of what but if what consenting to marriage is about, so what capacity is about. Sometimes we've spoken to um, social workers and learning disability nurses, psychologists, who said that they're really worried about, you know, doing the wrong thing, making the wrong call. Um, sometimes they're worried about being perceived racist, particularly if they're working with people whose culture is very different to their own and whose culture they don't understand. So it's really important that all practitioners are very, very clear about what capacity to consent actually means. And so they do question, um, you know, uh, uh, prospective marriages where somebody perhaps hasn't got the capacity to consent. Because as I was saying earlier, all sorts of abuses can occur uh, in these marriages, even if they're you know, even if the people think they're doing them for the right reason. So what should people do if they think that an adult is at risk or has had a forced marriage? 
So if they think that somebody is at risk, if somebody is absolutely at imminent risk of being removed from the country, for example, then they need to call the police and the police mm. need, be, need to become involved immediately. If it's not at that stage, there's something called the one chance rule. And it might be that practitioners only have that one opportunity to protect somebody from being forced to marry. So as I say, if danger is imminent, then the police should be called. If the case is, if it's not at that stage, then the practitioner, the social worker, the psychologist can work with the family to help them better understand um, what the implications of this decision might be and can work with the person with a learning disability to ascertain whether it's what they want and whether they have the uh, capacity to uh, consent or not. The Government Forced Marriage Unit also have caseworkers who are very knowledgeable and, and extremely helpful and will give advice to families, to people with learning disabilities and to um, practitioners as well if they're worried about somebody and they don't quite know what to do. Local authority safeguarding procedures should also be followed because forced marriage is a safeguarding issue given the abuses that are uh, associated with it. It sounds like there's plenty of support for professionals, but people can still get worried, can't they? Yeah, people do get really worried. There is support out there, but I think because practitioners might not necessarily come across these cases very frequently, then they're often, um, you know, they might not have the knowledge that they need in order to, um, you know, uh, work properly uh, with people or work to protect people. So I would always suggest contacting the forced marriage unit or trying to find a professional who has actually worked with these cases. We've um, developed, following our research, which the Ancraft Trust were involved in, we've developed a whole range of resources to help practitioners assess capacity to consent to marriage. So there's a toolkit and there's guidance. We've uh, made a 30-minute film which, uh, which raises awareness of the very specific issues relating to people with learning disabilities. And um, that film's available in different languages. We've devised some uh, workbooks that practitioners can use with family members or just for themselves to help raise their own awareness. And we've also written a case study um, document that sort of details some of the stories that were told to us mm. as part of our research. All those resources are available for free um, and there's a link from the Ancraft Trust website to those resources. So I would say please, uh, to practitioners, go and have a look at those because you probably find something helpful there. Oh, I think that's really useful. Um, have you got any research in the pipeline? What, what's next? Well, at the moment, we, we've just finished a, um, a, a quite a big research study uh, that was funded by the National Institute for Health Research um, School of Social Care Research. And in that, we talked to people with learning disabilities, we talked to faith leaders, practitioners and family carers. What we wanted to understand was the lived experience of all the different parties involved. And what we found was actually there's a lot of misunderstanding out there about the law, um, about capacity to consent, about what it means to actually understand what mm. marriage is about. Um, and we're following on from that now. We're doing quite a bit of work with marriage registrars to help them um, uh, develop some guidance for when they might be faced with a situation where they're concerned somebody doesn't have the capacity to consent. Um, so, yeah, so we will continue with the work that we're doing. We'll continue to work with different professional groups. Thank you very much, Rachel. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, ancrafttrust.org, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Ancraft Trust. <laughs>